Hey guys, welcome back to another OPD podcast. It's just Austin today, but I do have a guest on. Um, Joe was not able to make it on today just from just some scheduling issues. As you guys know, we're about five hours apart in time zone. So currently 7 p.m. Eastern time here. So it's he's probably in bed. But like I said, I do have a great guest on today. Uh, Dr. Gearman, is that correct? You got it. Yep. Awesome. All right. Then Dr. Gearman is. Um, what is your technical title? I, I mean, I know you're obviously a doctor, but what is, uh, what's the letter? Sure. <laughs> uh, uh, the letter after the name is DO. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, so you're, That's, um, cool. Yeah. So they're MDs, allopathic medicine, DOs, osteopathic medicine. Um, and you know, I, I won't go too deep into it, but it's more of a historical differentiation where, um, there was, there was a guy, AT still who, um, identified, he, he had a, a difference in uh, philosophy in, in terms of the way in which uh, patients were being cared for. And he had more of a, he believed in more of a holistic mindset. So he kind of pioneered this path that became osteopathic medicine that, that philosophically uh, is supposed to approach problems from more of a holistic whole body mindset, as opposed to looking uh, with a narrow kind of myop, myopic focus at a particular problem. And, and so we, uh, learned uh, that kind of affected the, the, the flavor in which uh, the topics were presented to us in medical school. But these days, most folks don't know whether the doctor they go to uh, is a DO or MD. The distinction is uh, very subtle. We take uh, basically the same types of exams uh, and that sort of thing. So it's just, it's kind of a historical differentiation. Yeah. And I know a couple, couple of the doctors that I know, especially the one that we both know in particular, he, uh, yeah. you know, it's a lot of it, a lot of the medicine, unfortunately, like you said, it focuses so much on a singular system instead of looking at mm -hmm. everything in conjunction when I, there's a few, I'm not, I'm not friends with a lot of doctors, but I know a few and they are all very intelligent. And every single one of them has told me that most of the really high end information that they know that helps their patients is all stuff that they learned on their own. <laughs> yeah. You know what, Austin, I, I think that's, <clears throat> I think that's largely true. I, I think that I, I routinely reflect on medical education and um, I, I kind of question what needs to be done. And, and part of me thinks that, uh, and I could say the same about my undergrad degree and that sort of thing that it could, it could have been compressed and, you know, I got a biology degree in undergrad and I learned about lobsters and trees, you know, I'm not learning, sure. I'm not using any of that material uh, <laughs> right. in my day-to-day -day life. And I kind of think the same in medical school, but part of it is the process of actually going through years of rigorous study that, that sort of trains your brain in a way to be able to, uh, you know, do what you're going to do for the rest of your life. But um, there's a lot of material that I just think really ought to be presented differently. And unfortunately, there's a lot of tradition um, and a lot of kind of forward momentum in medical education. So you're absolutely right. Things that really matter and things that led me to medicine, that being exercise, nutrition, you know, are totally underemphasized uh, in the course of, of medical training. So you learn about, um, you know, all of the drugs and particular pathologic states and whatnot. But um, I, there just really is a persistent deficiency in learning how to take care of people from a, a holistic standpoint. It's, it's really is a shame. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's in, I think all branches of medical, I mean, to um, nutrition and dietetics, like in my, you know, in my realm, it's like, it's the same thing. Um, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think if there's anything, <laughs> sadly, if there's a whole lot for my nutrition degree that I really, tr that translated over very well, other than, you know, basic stuff that you can pretty much learn online, like what are macronutrients, right? Or so or sure. something, you know, ridiculously basic, but, um, it is, yeah. it, isn't that interesting that it it's is. kind of just uh, people like perpetuating the same lessons. And I remember in college, you know, I would always try to take uh, whatever physiology courses I could that would kind of fit within the confines of my degree, uh, because they, particularly piqued my interest, but I remember, you know, one of my college professors just being big on the old food pyramid and how carbs were clearly the best uh, source for any sort of activity that was going to require any type of energy and how, you know, it was just such a blanket kind of recommendation with no right. thought of individualized tailored therapy. I mean, it's just really amazing. 
yeah, you know, because glucose is an energy source, so that must be the best for everything. Right. So if you if you threw him your uh, C eight MCT oil, he'd probably yeah. kick you out of he'd probably kick you out of the room. <laughs> yeah, you know, and um, I'll tell you, I also from a young age uh, started working at various nutrition uh, stores, businesses, and um, as a teenager, I can remember um, people, specific individuals, coming in the store and. I remember one gal saying, you know, my dad's a, a, a doctor and he says that none of this stuff works or all this stuff is just a bunch of baloney. I thought, gosh, what a shame that, you know, for sheer lack of understanding, people make statements like that. You know, none, none of this, none of these nutritional supplements work or, you know, uh, I mean, it, I think that really is what it comes down to is that um, this ego starts to become an issue when it comes sure. to oh, yeah, sure. professing, you know, ideas about health and, and um, I think we have to, I, I, I'm encouraged though, by maybe younger providers, I think it might be fair to say, are, are sort of approaching things with a different openness um, that, hey, I, I, don't, I don't know everything and I'm, I'm willing to learn myself and admit to my you know, deficiencies and things that I haven't reviewed. So, um, so I'm encouraged that things are changing. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it'll be a generational thing. You know, there'll be <clears throat> kind of usher in some some fresh, um, some fresh practitioners, but yeah, I mean, I've seen it. I've, I've literally had people with, uh, you know, basic, basic medical issues that I would deal with like a metabolic syndrome. So skewed lipid profile, you know, type two diabetes symptoms, like all these things that kind of go with overweight people that have poor diets. And of course they're treated by their by their doctor with traditional like diabetic type drugs and statins and, you know, all the stuff that they, that they generally give those types of people. Um, you know, they come to me, we, they're on over the counter supplements that have that actually do have literature behind them, even though the doctor doesn't know what they are. And sure, you know, and then obviously nutrition, exercise, so on and so forth. All of these things that basically, they're they're doomed to live with forever we have now corrected and i i've actually had instances where doctors have been upset because their patients didn't follow their instructions and they yeah and then they improved through other means that's what's like all right you know <laughs> that's you know, a, how silly is that yeah. you know I, I and you'll see that too you'll see kind of like turf wars and i have uh i i guess the pleasure of working as an independent provider where i work part-time at a VA hospital here locally, but then also uh, in my private practice uh, that I opened after training. And, you know, I, I have no allegiance to any particular hospital system otherwise to where I send people wherever they need to get the care they need. Sure. And I encourage people, hey, get get two opinions, get three opinions that doesn't stop here between you and I, you know, I want you to be as well informed as possible. And I, I just don't think you see that either in medicine. People want to, they, they, they want to retain you know, every last patient and therefore every last dollar they can. And they get upset when patients want to go elsewhere and get other opinions. And, and uh, so you're right. You'll see that too, where people actually become upset if someone else is, is uh, allowing the patient to feel good. And um, I routinely rely on people like yourself, you know, with my patients, because I've only got so much time to cover so much ground with my patients. And I got to say, I admire folks like yourself and I've been on a couple of similar podcasts, bodybuilding and fitness podcasts. And it's a world with which I'm uh, quite familiar having kind of, I guess, you know, been familiar with the fitness industry and realm since a teenager. And, um, you know, and I really appreciate the fact that uh, people in this arena really have a thirst for knowledge and, and they seek it out. And that's exactly what's going on right now, you know, between us. So, um, and you don't, you don't see that everywhere. And, uh, I just think that's such a cool thing. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with outsourcing either. And just, and referring and it's like, and, and the thing is too, I do that with clients all the time. I might, even if I can fix something, I know someone else can fix it a lot quicker and more efficient than me and mm-hmm. maybe better. Right. So mm-hmm. just, <laughs> I zero issue referring someone out if they have sure. issues like, you know, joint, joint issues or injuries or things like that. It's like, Oh, go see Dr. Gearman. I, he's going to yeah. fix you a lot quicker and better than I'm going to, you know, so um, definitely have no issue with that. But before, so before we get too far off onto that tangent, sure. um, tell everyone a little bit about, so I know you as Dr. Gearman from inertia medical, right? Mm-hmm. Um, tell everyone that, and that's kind of what I'm interested in 
as far as the uh, <clears throat> as far as the regenerative medicine side of things. So sure. let me know a little bit about your practice so everyone can kind of uh, familiar familiarize themselves with it. Yeah. Okay. So um, uh, we mentioned the fact that I'm an osteopathic physician, but then my board uh, specialty uh, is physical medicine and rehab. So I, I did uh, uh, residency training in, in this realm. It's kind of your, your doctor will be or a doctor will seek further training as a cardiologist or a urologist or a family practice doctor. And I sought training as a physical medicine rehab doctor. And some people might not be as familiar with that specialty. It's kind of like a combination of orthopedics and neurology. So we learn uh, a lot about both of those body systems. Um, it's also called a physiatrist. So those are uh, analogous uh, terms. And um, we learned throughout the course of residency uh, a lot about uh, folks who might experience stroke, spinal cord injuries, uh, brain injuries, or musculoskeletal orthopedic injuries. And then from there, some of us will choose to further specialize and really focus in on stroke patients or really focus in on orthopedic type of injuries. And, and I did the, the latter. Um, I primarily uh, take care of patients in the realm of uh, sports medicine injuries, orthopedic care, uh, non-operative uh, conservative orthopedic care. Um, and so that was really my love from the beginning and what led me to, again, being in the fitness world, it led me to medical school and specifically to seek out being an osteopathic physician because uh, it seemed to me that they just got a little bit of a different training as it applies to uh, anatomy. And, and I was quite pleased with the training that I, I did receive in that realm. And then that naturally evolved into my residency in PM&R um, and that now doing sports medicine, orthopedic care. And there, there really is a void, Austin, in conservative orthopedic care because, um, you know, people know they can go to an orthopedist and, uh, and I collaborate every day with, with my friends in the orthopedic realm. Uh, but their primary focus is, is an operative one. Uh, you do have some conservative orthopedists, but historically, it was a surgical specialty. Um, and so then, you know, where do people go who don't need surgery or who have lingering chronic injuries and don't want surgery? Um, you know, usually they go to their general uh, practitioner. And, and gosh, I mean, I, I think primary care providers are some of those awesome people because they have so much to deal with. I mean, it's like overwhelming yeah. to think yeah. about the number of issues. So they, uh, you know, can only devote so much mental energy to musculoskeletal problems. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so there is really this void. And as technology continues to evolve, uh, more of this orthopedic care is trending towards uh, non-operative, less invasive, uh, more regenerative, more regenerative, if you will. And we'll talk more about that. Um, but uh, so I, I just saw uh, a neat opportunity to help care for patients who didn't know where to go. And, and that's why I opened uh, our practice called Inertia Medical. And the whole idea was, well, as a, as a patient, if I'm playing the patient role, if I'm assuming the patient role, how would I want the experience to be? Well, you know, number one, I would want people to spend time with me. So I, you know, having been in the patient role many times, it, I would be very frustrated by the 10, 15 minute visits in and out. What do you need? Here's your script. See you later. And, uh, you know, so I said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to spend an hour with every patient. Um, and then I really want to dig deep. So we're going to, we were talking about nutrition and I, I'm primarily like a sports med guy, but nutrition enters our, the conversation with my patients all the time because it's critical for recovery. It's critical for, you know, sure. all body systems. Um, so, so anyway, I, I just knew that I wanted a different practice model. I wanted to be able to get a lot done in one visit. So somebody might come in, you know, Hey doc, my knee hurts. And, uh, we might in the very first visit do a thorough evaluation inclusive of an ultrasound evaluation and maybe a, a treatment that very same day so that we can save the patient time and money without having to send them all around town and come back multiple times. And, um, and it really seems to have worked out well. It's been well received. People appreciate that type of model. Um, it, it's kind of a, a unique one, but I think that more and more, uh, things are trending that direction also because people are getting smart. They're getting, you know, they're saying, hey, what am I really getting out of this? What sort of value are you providing me? Uh, and so that I think is the ultimate goal to pr provide the most amount of value uh, to patients in the form of education and the form of time invested uh, as possible to people. So um, you asked about the regenerative medicine side of things. And again, 
um, it seems like more of medicine is kind of trending that direction. And um, I, since I'm often talking about this with patients and other providers, um, there's always kind of a um, defining of terms that needs to occur. And a lot of people, when they hear of regenerative medicine, uh, what you think of is kind of regrowing body parts and the old, you know, lizard regrowing the tail after right. it's chopped off sort of thing. <laughs> and, um, you know, I've, I've really kind of uh, changed to where I prefer the term restorative medicine. And there are different reasons for that. But I think it's a more appropriate term because what we're looking to do is ultimately restore uh, a, a, uh, the nature of a particular joint tend into a more healthy state. And we can kind of dive in deep with that. But, um, but fortunately now, there are several different therapies that kind of facilitate the body's natural healing response and perhaps augments it and allows for us to get where we're going to go in terms of symptoms and function. Uh, with with some of these various treatments, so that that's something that we tend to emphasize uh, at our place, and and we're growing, Austin. We're kind of including different providers and services, and ultimately plan to be kind of the one stop place for all things health and wellness that somebody might need to take care of themselves. So personal training services and some aesthetic medicine, and ultimately physical therapy, and then uh, hopefully uh, hooking up with a good primary care provider also. So kind of a, a one stop. Uh, uh, place for for wellness. Yeah, and that's fantastic because you what you had mentioned there. Some people may not picked up on is there's always this runaround when you have any type of issue. Like you go to your primary care, they give you a referral. You go to the specialist, the specialist gives you an initial consultation. Then you have to go back again, or maybe to a different, you know, to a different specialist and who knows how many steps before you actually get any type of answer. And it might not even be the one that you want, you know, right. or need. Right. So um, that's why, yeah. you know, facility like yours, I mean, that's, you, you go in and because you, for you, those of you listening, I had gone recently and you go in, you get a consultation, you have an exam on the spot and you're given treatment options. And that's, I mean, what more could you, <laughs> I mean, I think that's a fantastic model, and I unfortunately, I I just don't really see it used um, much. And that's honestly one of the reasons I really love using uh, going to Doctor Serrano too, right? Because yeah, yeah, I get an answer every time I'm there, right? Yeah, right. I don't need I don't need seven to to ten appointments to get what I need, right? Well, I'll tell you, Austin. Um, you know, when you explain that to someone, you go in, you get an exam, you get treatment you kind of, the response should be, well, duh, that should, how it should be. Right. But, right, but it, you know, it seems like the, the <laughs> right. It seems like the most obvious answer is, is uh, you just don't see it anywhere. And, and how bizarre is that? And this kind of gets into the whole kind of mess of our current healthcare system in terms of the way it's structured. And I always tell people, you know, when I teach the residents down at the hospital and they talk about what they want to do once they graduate residency and different practice structures they might want to enter. And um, you know, you really have to protect your core values as a provider. And, uh, you know, I, I know when I went into residency, I had this vision of opening this practice where I would treat patients the way I'd want to be treated and structure it the way that made sense. And I stuck to it because uh, if you don't, you kind of get sucked into the system. And unfortunately, despite someone's best intentions, despite a doctor's or other provider's best intentions, it becomes a little bit of a rat race. And uh, I, I always tell them, you can take the best provider, someone who's just going to knock it out of the park in terms of coming up with the right diagnosis and the right treatment plan, but you stick any of those people in a 10-minute visit and you can only be so good because a big part of that interaction should be patient education, should be a full description of what's going on in terms of the problem, what the potential treatment options are, and you just can't do it in 10 minutes. And so- Really, it's a systems problem, and, and it's something that uh, we're, we're kind of trying to position ourselves against to, to, again, provide real value for people. Yeah, yeah, that, and that's, you're right, that's another great point, it's just, it's just time. I mean, there's no way, I'm trying to think, you know, I was probably there for at least 30, 45 minutes, and that was probably a relatively quick appointment. Um, mm -hmm. We found a solution mm -hmm. pretty quickly. You know, mm -hmm. I go see Eric, I'm there for like an hour and a half. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. You know, so He's it's just like, I can't think of it. Right? What's that? 
who's a primary care provider. So he's, he's, he kind of covers everything. He technically. Yeah. So technically, you know, technically he, he's a family, it's a family practice. Right. So, yep. Yep. um, but yeah, where do you really get that anywhere else? And the answer is probably right. pretty much nowhere. Um, yeah. and it's, it's yeah. super frustrating for me as well, because I'm slowly like within my business, I slowly try to build a network of people, right. That, uh-huh. that have different specialties like yourself, like having, Clients go, you know, go to Dr. Serrano's office or I have clients in different states and different countries and stuff. So obviously like I can't, I can't have a network everywhere, but I try to keep as many people on tap as possible because there's just things that I either can't do from like a, like stuff, like a testing standpoint, certain tests and diagnostics that I just simply can't perform or, or certain treatments that I legally cannot perform. Right. So, um, but it's super frustrating for me and I deal with it literally every single week where I'll have someone that I, I pretty much know what the problem is. And I told him, I said, you need to go in and I'll give him a script. I want you to go in, talk to your doctor or you know whoever about this, 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 and this. We'll try to speed up the process as much as possible. Of course, they get the runaround, they get a referral, mm-hmm. then they have to wait for another four to six weeks to see the specialist. Then the mm-hmm. specialist does a consult at that appointment. Then they have to wait another three weeks to get treatment. I'm just like, good, good Lord. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I know it, man. It's just, know. it's ridiculously and, frustrating for me. You know, and I, I think it, it's actually equally frustrating for a lot of the providers. And I think they feel the weight of that too. Because I'm if sure. you go, if I'm you, sure. like in, in a lot of hospital systems, doctors and other providers just aren't having fun. And, and really the process should be, fun work should be fun right you should really enjoy what you're doing you hopefully went into medicine because it's a passion of yours right uh and you know and people i see it all the time i'll run into colleagues that i trained with and they're just beat down by the system and there's the whole thing is just a mess and they really feel the weight of it and and that it's you know it starts to influence them personally and then of course professionally how they interact with patients and and uh so it really can be frustrating but i I think you you nailed it there. You want to have a good team. You want to be able to rely on those team members. And, uh, you know, that's a great thing to do. That's what we try to do as well. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, let's talk about, let's talk about some of the actual treatments that you offer. I know we probably can't even cover every single detail. Um, but maybe go into some of the more common ones or at least some of the hot topic, uh, like the hot button topics. Uh, sure. It'd be great. You know, I'll go into some of the things that people uh, routinely uh, learn about and say, oh, I didn't even know that that was a possibility or maybe that's what I need. And, and sure. so there, there are things like that uh, align with this idea of conservative, non-operative uh, procedures or treatments uh, that, can, that can rid of problems or, or decrease symptoms. And so an example uh, would be... Um, a tendon procedure called a percutaneous tenotomy. So we do a lot of um, tendon care. So tendonitis or chronic tendinopathies, abnormal degenerated tendons. And because this is another space where these folks kind of get lost. Um, They have either tennis elbow or jumper's knee, which is patellar tendonitis or their Achilles hurts or the rotator cuff or whatever the case might be. And it's not overtly torn or ruptured so it's not a surgical case and they try physical therapy which helps some but not all the way and they don't know what else to do and and so we end up getting a lot of these patients because number one we do a lot of ultrasound uh, medicine so a lot of ultrasound diagnostics so first what we do is scan the tendon with an ultrasound and we can tell you in real time exactly what's wrong with that tendon how bad it looks where it's injured and then we can treat it. And, and there's a long range of or long variety of potential uh, treatments. But one, for example, is something called a percutaneous tenotomy. So this is something that uh, essentially used to require an operative procedure where they would do an open, uh, you know, they would kind of cut, cut through the skin and then in an operating room, uh, clean up the tendon or operate on the tendon. But now, uh, with use of ultrasound through essentially a needle hole. You can use a little device to, to clean tendons up, to, uh, to what's called debride them, to clean them. And this is a useful procedure for chronic tendinopathies or degenerated tendons because 
without getting too scientific, uh, when tendons become sick over time, um, they uh, get a certain type of degeneration within them called mucoid degeneration. It's, it's sort of like a gelatinous type of gummy substance within the tendon, and that can be overtly painful, um, and it can impair function of the tendon. So you can actually clean that out through what is essentially a needle hole where you used to have to perform an operation. And so that's, that's, uh, it, that procedure goes by several different names. There's a couple different companies out there that produce a device that allows you to perform this. But that's one example of a pretty cool procedure uh, that we do. And then short of that for tendon care, um, there are all sorts of other injection therapies that can be done. Um, probably some people have heard of things like prolotherapy or platelet-rich plasma, PRP. And these are things that are intended to encourage the natural healing response. Um, and so a lot of times I'll tell patients that a tendon your body kind of has a fix it and forget it mechanism for tendons. So when you experience an acute injury, it kind of tries to repair it best it can, but it's sometimes it's somewhat limited in its ability to do so. And then it sort of forgets about it. So you, you have what could be thought of as a frayed rope sitting there on, on your elbow in the case of tennis elbow or in your knee in the case of patellar tendinopathy. Um, and you sometimes need to reinitiate the healing process or deliver certain growth factors or healing chemicals to the area that will encourage a, uh, you know, or kind of complement the, the healing process. So we do a lot of that type of care. Um, and then also for just general joint pain, arthritis, and actual joint problems, um, we will similarly perform PRP to encourage healing, or there are many other different treatments uh, coming out in that realm uh, that could potentially help. Like one thing people are hearing a lot about um, as of late is uh, stem cell therapy and uh, or cellular therapy. And um, an example of this might be if we take a patient's um, own bone marrow through a pretty simple procedure um, and therefore take their own cells and then isolate them by just centrifuging them or spinning them down in a little machine and then re-administering them into, let's say, an injured knee, that can help to um, orchestrate the healing process um, because this is sort of getting into a whole uh, lengthy discussion, but the bottom line is that these mesenchymal stem cells, as they're called, uh, from, from your body can do just that. They can orchestrate the healing process. So um, this is a very natural phenomenon. So every time you cut yourself, for example, or every time you experience a trauma, um, some of these cells that are naturally residing around blood vessels everywhere in your body, they are... Uh, released and, and helped to coordinate healing. And so without these cells, uh, we wouldn't last very long because we wouldn't be able to sustain many injuries. So we can sort of leverage the activity of these cells um, and concentrate them in a particular joint region to hopefully uh, encourage healing, but uh, to improve the overall health of the joint. And this is kind of getting at what I mentioned before, that I like to distinguish between regenerative and restorative medicine. Because say, for example, you have someone with knee arthritis and meniscal tears and that sort of thing. And some patients might hear regenerative medicine. They think, oh, great. This procedure is going to regrow my knee like it was when I was 20, even though I'm now 60. And, um, you know, for me, patient expectation is very important. So we have this discussion before proceeding with any sort of treatments. We say, okay, what are your, what's your impression of what this treatment is and what it's intended to do? And actually, a lot of these regenerative or restorative treatments um, more so restore a normal joint environment. So what do I mean by that? Well, over time, if we're considering an arthritic knee, um, arthritis is associated with a certain number of inflammatory molecules floating around in that knee and, and enzymes called metalloproteinases that can be thought of as little Pac-Men that sort of float around and soften cartilage or eat up. Uh, different parts of the structure, which is why arthritis and other problems tend to evolve over time or tend to worsen over time. Well, that's an abnormal tissue environment, it's sort of like a classroom of kids. It's sort of in anarchy. It's all chaotic and there's no teacher to keep everything under, everything under control. Well, if you do one of these restorative treatments, then the cells or some of the other things, the platelets, um, release a number of signals that then tell the kids to quiet down and to maintain order and it might rid of some of those unhealthy enzymes, some of those metalloproteinases, or some of those inflammatory molecules 
And when you have a healthier tissue environment, you might in fact be able to better heal some of the structures or at least improve the health of the joint to number one, perhaps slow down, for example, the course of arthritis or decrease symptoms because uh, we know that um, as a joint produces more of these inflammatory molecules and unhealthy enzymes and such, you're more likely to be symptomatic. Um, so it's kind of improving the chemical landscape and the overall environment of the joint. Um, since all of us over time, we do degenerate as a general body system, we're kind of trying to work against that a little bit. And um, so I, I hope that makes a little bit of sense. And, you know, one of the things I always mention to my patients is that, well, this is where the nutrition discussion also comes into play. Because I said, look, it's not only what I do or have the potential to do in the form of these different treatments, it's also everything you're doing that can in prolong the life of the joint or help to, heal, help to enhance healing of this joint, like eating a very healthy diet. Because it's clear that certain foods can also improve the chemical environment of a joint. It can decrease inflammation within that joint. It can prolong uh, the, the life and the health of the joint. And it's things like not smoking. It's things like exercising regularly. It's things like getting good sleep. All of the things that we know are good for us are in fact equally good for our joints and our tendons and other parts of our musculoskeletal system. So when I think of this restorative regenerative medicine realm, it's really, again, an all-inclusive lifestyle and procedural type of uh, practice. So we kind of dive all in with all of those things when we, when we counsel our patients. But I hope I didn't throw too much at you there, but that's, <laughs> that's no, some of the, rest that's some of the rest restorative medicine and some other general uh, type of treatments we do. Um, you know, there are some other things, Austin, like um, uh, I, I'm again thinking of things that we've had people like travel to our clinic for and say, you know, I couldn't find anybody that does this sort of thing. We'll do a lot of like nerve blocks or nerve procedures where a common one that people are often very familiar with is carpal tunnel syndrome. So um, you can, number one, do ultrasound guided injections into the carpal tunnel when symptoms haven't improved after wearing a brace uh, or during certain, during or having done certain stretches, you can do carpal tunnel injections and often those are very su successful. Or you can actually do carpal tunnel uh, um, releases. So there's a new technology where you use a certain device to release the carpal tunnel, which is essentially doing the surgery without doing the surgery. Um, and so, you know, then we do EMGs or nerve tests to further assess the severity of carpal tunnel. So there's a lot of nerve care that we also do. And there are procedures called hydrodissections where we'll, when nerves are impinged in certain areas, we can, under ultrasound guidance, inject some fluid around that nerve to kind of push things away from it, to free it up, to hopefully get rid of some of the impingement symptoms. So some potentially unique type of procedures that people will often say, oh, hey, I didn't know that that's something that could potentially be done. And I think that's what I need to resolve this problem. So we're trying to get better at producing different videos to educate people and explain these different treatments. And we've, I've now come up with a number of videos on YouTube or inertia medical YouTube channel to hopefully um, educate uh, some people, but, um, but uh, we look to do more in the future. So. Does all that, uh, does all yeah, that make some sense to you, Austin? I, no, it makes perfect sense to me. I hope everyone listening was able to uh, gather all that. Um, I'm just sitting back and listening. I we, <laughs> a lot of the time, you know, we'll do we'll do episodes where where myself and Joe talk a lot. But when we get guests on, sometimes we just sit back and listen. And, sure, sure, um, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think you know, and I always like to reiterate some of the points and things in there. I think you made some great points and two that it all is it's all an encompassing process in that you can't just you know you can't just go in and expect to get a treatment and and it's always going to be the solution especially for people that have chronic uh terrible lifestyles right so i get i don't you know and i don't see this so much with my crowd because generally nutrition training all of these things are always kind of a it's a staple in their lifestyle always right yeah these you know, most of my clients aren't eating highly inflammatory diets. We're right. always addressing things like, you know, gastrointestinal health and so on and so forth. But 
I do get this a lot and a lot of my gen pop clients that come to me for the first time and that they have a lot of aches and pains, super common. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, and it could be a, a number of the things that you mentioned. It could be, you know, tendinopathy issues, um, just like, you know, low back pain, nerve impingement, all that stuff. And, uh, you know, I find a lot of people, they simply have a ton of muscular imbalances because they don't exercise, you know, and they have very weak, you know, maybe one area is very weak. So they have a low back pain or they have a shoulder pain sure. or it's from repetitive issues with their job, which I'm sure you get a, people, a lot of people in there that have, um, you know, repetition type injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they just have a terrible, highly inflammatory diet. It's amazing the difference people feel when they will just literally lower the inflammatory load of their diet and we fix their gut health. And they're like, wow, my, my elbows and shoulders and knees and back don't hurt anymore. <laughs> you know, you know um, it's, Austin, I got to tell you something. Um, I, I think unless you've lived that, you can't entirely appreciate that. And, and sure. I will routinely tell patients about um, the experience that I've had with, I have a number of old injuries, be they weightlifting injuries or otherwise, but like a, a low back herniated disc and a torn labrum here and a tendon problem there and all these different issues. And about five, six years ago, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll admit that I did um, one of these uh, physique competitions here locally. And sure. my wife was a competitor for years and she wanted me to support her. So we did a show together and leading up to it, um, you know, I, I tend to eat pretty well and, and work out regularly, but leading up to it, I was on a super strict diet. Um, you know, I was working out regularly. I, I got to tell you, I felt like Superman. I mean, none of my injuries hurt. I just felt phenomenal. And then I got to tell you, literally right after a week after the show, when I, ate everything. Back eating, when, I, <laughs> when I ate everything, I felt like I was crippled. Oh yeah. I thought, for sure. <laughs> I thought I'm going to have to like, I, I'm going to, I'm like disabled. I can't do my job. I mean, it was that bad. I couldn't turn the steering wheel in my car or open a door now because my wrist hurts so bad. My back is coming. And the only change was what I put in my mouth and the form yeah. of my diet. And unless you've experienced that, you can't quite grasp the impact of the gravity of your nutrition on your whole body, including your musculoskeletal system. Oh yeah. It's a, that's in it. And a lot of the inflammation kind of starts local, right? In the gut. And then it becomes mm-hmm. systemic and it manifests in a lot of ways. Like I see like low grade inflammation, for example, is it's a precursor for everything, right? Really? I mean, every yeah. disease, every joint issue that you're going to have every type of internal external disease i mean i have i've seen everything from you know joint pain to people having chronic eczema and psoriasis from inflammation um like just everything you can imagine so but but you're right and i think a lot of people especially you're very subjective i always kind of call it subjective well-being right you're so used Mm -hmm. to feeling a certain way that you don't really know any difference type of thing and yeah then when you experience the difference, you're like, wow, you know, this is how it's supposed oh, yeah. to feel. Um, right. And I'm sure you get a lot of that in practice as well. People that are just like, like, you know, think it's a, a miracle essentially. And, but, but a lot of it too, is like you said, is it's getting, it's, it's encouraging your body because a lot of these, you know, a lot of the chemicals and we, and we had talked about this too. Um, there are a lot of things that are being researched more and more people. I get asked a lot about rest, you know, restorative peptides like body protection compound and all these mm-hmm. things and stuff. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at the research on most of these things, they're, they're chemicals that are already in your body, right? Mm-hmm. They're things that mammals already produce, right? So it's just kind of encouraging the process like PRP, you know, all mm-hmm. that's derived right. from, you know, your own blood, yeah. your own platelets, right? Right. So we're basically just harnessing the power of these compounds and making them work a little bit better, but also like a little more localized, you know? Yep. So yep. that's a great um, point. So yeah, that's a great point. There's it's your body is extremely, is extremely smart and we can, and it's, and it's not just, and that's another issue that I always have with medicine and, and healing, you know, in general is that everything's so focused on a singular body system when really 
you know, it, it, it would be like, okay. So for example, it would be like you having someone that came in with, um, chronic knee pain from patella tendonitis mm-hmm. and you, you gave them a treatment, but you mm-hmm. mentioned nothing about, you know, their exercise and they're, they're like doing some horrendous, you know, squat form or something and just wrecking right. your knees and you, and you don't say anything, even though you know it, you don't say anything about it. Right. right? And that's kind of like, yeah. that's kind of where the disconnect is in our medicine. And I see those cases all the time. Like you can't just bandaid something and send someone out the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And you know, um, that, that's, that's also why we try to kind of develop our, our model of like a, a gym clinic or a clinic sure. gym and where we, we actually have a private gym within our clinic or the other way around it. And, uh, it, it's, I think really going to serve us into the future to where um, we can optimize treatments, number one, and then number two, have the appropriate follow-up with these people. So in the case of PRP, for example, um, we'll, we'll be able to leverage our structure by having people come down. And there's now some data that suggests that if you have people exercise just prior to a blood draw, that you get a greater yield of, for example, platelets and what you want. And so there's also some data to suggest that if you exercise an injured area, say, for example, a lateral elbow tendon with tennis elbow just prior to a treatment that can also enhance the efficacy of the treatment because you're kind of encouraging blood flow in the area and all these other sorts of things. And so the idea would be have people come down, have them exercise, do a PRP treatment, and then have them come back for regular gym sessions so we can teach them the right way of doing things and also discuss nutrition. And that's kind of the full circle. And you just don't see that. I mean, now you go to an orthopedist who is separate from physical therapy. The orthopedist doesn't know what the physical therapist is doing. The physical therapist doesn't know what the orthopedist is thinking. Then you try to, you know, then you got to go back to primary care for another reason. They don't know what's going on over here. So there's so much segregation and, and separation within medicine. And it really, the patient is the one who suffers, you know? So yeah. that's another thing that I'd like to see more of in the future is just a model that where you do work as a team and you do try to create this full circle for patients for them to really achieve the outcomes you're looking for. Yeah. And that's, and, and that's exact, exactly why I wanted to have you on because that's, that's a hundred percent what my business model is for coaching. You know, mm-hmm. it's just that it's, it's an all encompassing process. Hey, if you just want someone to tell you what macronutrients to eat and give you a copy and paste training plan online, that's cool. There's people that'll do that. Right. But this, yeah. but I can't in good conscience ignore issues that that other people have. Like I, you know, what, what we see a lot or what I see a lot and what other, you know, better coaches see a lot is just that people are really short sighted, you know? So they want, they come to me, they, they want to lose weight. Okay. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a probably the most common thing that you get. I want to lose whatever weight or I want to look a certain way, you know? Okay, great. And then, (laughs) I dig into their consultation and they have 10 other issues that are compromising their, their hormonal profile and their metabolic mm-hmm. profile. And they've got all these injuries and this and that and all this stuff. They're like, Oh no, I don't care about any of that. Right. I just want to lose weight. I'm like, well, it all goes together. I said, well, unfortunately that's not exactly how this works. And yeah. And you know, now we're seeing a lot of, we're seeing a lot of that residual like trickle down where, because it's kind of like, it's kind of like your field is, is I would say a little bit newer, right? A lot of these practices and things I, frankly, you're the first person that I, well, I know a couple others around central Ohio, um, but I have not seen it around very much. Mm-hmm. And I know like my field of coaching is pretty new, really last, yeah. I would say really popularized in like the last 10 years. Oh, definitely. Um, definitely. But we're seeing a lot of trickle down from these people that were really, you know, pushed way too hard early on. And now I'm getting all these people that had competed three, four, five times, you know, every year since 2013. And they, they are just completely and utterly destroyed. Yeah. And it's taken me two or three years to get them back to normal, you know, so yeah. And I'm sure you, know, you like you probably see a lot of people that were victims of the medical system that are they've had, you know, they've had basically years of who knows what, you know, you know, years of 
painkiller, you know, opiate painkiller type of use and just other things that probably made their issue so much worse than it needed That's to right. be. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, there, there's, there isn't necessarily um, someone to blame per se. It's just kind right. of the way that the system can get out of control. Like, yeah. you know, people like providers want to help people, but they only have 10 minutes to do so. And in that 10 minutes, if someone's reporting very intrusive pain in multiple joint sites, why don't I try this pain medication? You know, I, I want to help you. And then right. before you know it, you have an opioid crisis, you know, yeah. and, and it, I, I saw it. It's interesting. You mentioned that trend in coaching and, you know, I think a lot of it probably coincides with social media where a lot of these quote coaches became very accessible and very visible. And then, you know, from the coach's perspective, they thought, Hey, this is cool. I can now link up with a bunch of people, you know, online and, but then it kind of gets out of control and then they're taking on, a few too many clients and it's the same thing as in the medical system exactly. and they don't have the yep. time yeah, to address everyone individually. So it's, it's, yeah, I mean, we, we suffer from the same problem. Yeah. And I've seen it. I've seen people that I genuinely considered uh, pretty good coaches that I felt were pretty ethical and really cared about people. And they just, I don't know if you want to say they just, they got away from them or maybe they got a little bit too greedy or whatever. Sure you know, and quantity became, became really valued over quantity or quality. Right. So, right. Yeah. I mean, cool. If I take 200, 200 clients at 200 bucks a month, I'm making a lot of money. Right. Let me, yeah. Right. It's a lot of money. I mean, I'm making, right. you know, it's like, there's people, you know, I get some of these people, they're like, Oh yeah. You know, I make $400,000 a year just on clients. And I start doing the math. It's like, wow. You, uh, yeah. you must either have about 48 hours in your day or, mm -hmm. you know, or you're just not giving them very much attention, you know, yeah. so medical Everybody systems. Everybody gets the same template, you know, yeah. same template diet. Yeah, right. Yeah. Medical <laughs> systems the same. Like I know, I know a guy that he, uh, he worked in, so he worked in an urgent care. So there's your perfect, which an urgent care is not really designed to be like a family practitioner. I understand that. It's not really, it's more of like a, you know, situation where people are going in for a, a quick visit and if they need a referral yeah. out to something else, but the amount of patients that he would see in the time restraints was like, Oh my gosh, I oh, cannot yeah. believe the volume that they would do. Oh yeah. And I'm like, hey, that's, how, that's... How, as, how could you possibly treat a patient? thoroughly yeah. in that amount of time or even I wouldn't even have enough time to sit there and like go through the checklist in my head of all the potential you know reasons someone's has an issue yeah you're kind of just putting out fires and you know I, I guess maybe some people find that that kind of high speed environment uh very short interactions to be you know satisfying but um gosh I just don't find that the least bit at least bit attractive and uh I mean, you're right. You're just kind of, uh, you're, you're, you're putting the minimal amount of time invested in just to get people in and out. And uh, um, it's a big problem, man. It's a big problem. But, you know, some of the uh, onus should be, at least on the medical side, um, one of the problems often is that the patients don't assume any of the responsibility. So it's sure. probably like, you know, your clients who just aren't compliant with your diet recommendations or, you know, the patients who, um, you know, are coming in for silly issues or they, they just don't care, take care of themselves at all. So you see them time and time again for different things. And, and, and that's a big problem too in the medical system. So that, you know, the, the system that's been established to take care of people is, is a little bit backwards and upside down now, but then so is the patient perception of, of how things should go. And I, I kind of joke with some people lovingly and I'll say, you know, they'll come in and this hurts and that hurts and I have this injury and that issue. And, and it's clear that they don't exercise, they don't eat well, they don't, you know, any of these things. And I say, well, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like driving your car, hitting every, you know, driving your car towards the repair shop, hitting every mailbox on the way in. Yeah. Saying, hey, please take the dents out. <laughs> well, don't try not to hit so many mailboxes, you know? Right. <laughs> so, but, uh, so it, you know, it's on both sides. So, so do you, you probably, that's a, that's kind of a, a good point to bring up do, do you get some 
repeat offenders that you've probably hound on like, look, you know, you need to, you know, you need to follow up on nutrition, training, rehab, all this stuff. And they just, they just need their, their treatment. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll say it's way less at my private clinic than at a that's lot of great. clinics. Yeah. Certainly at the oh, hospital sure. where I work. Yeah. And, and that's because it's, you know, it's a self-paid model, which allows us to spend the time together and that sort of thing. So with people who are already spending their harder money investing in their health, you know, uh, it's, it's good for me because I feel the need to provide them with the maximum amount of value possible because they're spending their harder money, you know, and it's good for them because anything you pay for and invest those hard earned dollars in, you're going to really take seriously. And so um, I don't get much of that in my private clinic. People are very compliant. You know, they're already ahead of the curve in terms of doing what they need to do. Um, but certainly at the hospital, we see, we see a lot of that. And, you know, you were talking about different discussions you have with people in my private clinic when we're talking nutrition. It's like, well, what are the differences between sweet potatoes and oats? And, you know, how can that have an effect on Whereas at the hospital, it's like, stop eating so many Doritos, man, please. This one thing, just stop yeah. eating so many Doritos, you know? <laughs> Let's start so small, right? Let's yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you just you have to meet people where they are in life, where they are in whatever situation, and uh, you know be willing to work with them. Yeah, and 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 part of it too is just uh, you you do have to take a little bit of responsibility as a patient. Like you have to seek out and research a little bit, and like who is this person that's you know taking care of my health, right? Sure. Like, sure. you know, I, yeah. I feel like people that go to your private practice, they're there for a reason. They didn't just randomly stumble upon it. It was probably either recommended to them or they researched it on their own or, you know, something like that. That's right. Absolutely true. Probably same with you, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was a referral. I, I was like, you know, I mm -hmm. asked a couple people, actually I had been doing my own research on places that I had, uh, that did restorative medicine and I wasn't quite finding what I wanted and uh, got a referral. So there I was, but again, that's that, but that was my own research. You know, I didn't just yep. like, I didn't just jump on Google and type in, you know, shoulder injury. I would have ended up at a doctor. I would have ended up at an orthopedic. Mm -hmm. Right. Sure. Just like everyone sure. else. It would have just, sure. but, um, and it's, you know, it's, it's the same, you know, it's the same in my field. Whoever has the biggest advertising budget, those are the right people yeah. are going to stumble on these people and they, they may, they may be all right, but they may be terrible. You know, it's who knows, yeah. um, you know, and, and, and patients are becoming more and more sensitive to the fact that, uh, to what, what they're getting, you know, and, and sure. Like we have some, there are some practices locally that um, really crank through a volume of patients, like whether it would be the orthopedic patients or whatever. But, but that's, you know, that it can, can only be hidden for so long from the patients. And you begin to hear about it. say, you know, I, I, I just don't want to go to this place because I know that I'm not going to get more than a couple minutes and, and they're just trying to kind of get out of the door as fast as they came in. And, you know, so, um, I think that it really, I mean, it's so meaningful when you begin to see people that are, you know, friends of people you've seen before, or people who just spoke so highly of you. And that, that means so much. So yeah, sure. You'll get the, the people who are just cranking through clients or patients, but that's only going to get you so far. And that's, you know, it's not, it's not the type of provider I want to be. No, I mean, word of, word of mouth always trumps everything at the end of the day. It's not, you can't, you can't run from word of mouth for very long, right? People, right. Agreed. people will figure it out. And, and I think, you know, consumers are definitely becoming more educated. Um, there's a lot more information. We're almost to the, <laughs> we had the podcast. I did one the other day. I was a guest on about how we have too much information now. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. That people are just having such a hard time deciphering between what's good and what's not. Um, That's true. So Hopefully, hopefully I think, but I think it'll be a supply and demand thing. I think some of that will dwindle down when people just get smarter and smarter over, you know, the next five, 10 years. So I agree. Yeah. You know, I think, I think that's why it's also important for us who have been educated in a certain arena to spend the time to educate people. Well, here's why this might not be correct. What you read and here's, you know, this other thing that you mentioned that absolutely is true. And so, you know, without that discussion, um, we're just never going to be, we're just never going to be doing our job as well as perhaps we should. 
because um, as you know, when it comes down to it, when we're serving other people, when we're working with other people, particularly on things related to health, our number one job is education, you know, and everything else kind of follows. Yeah, absolutely. So we're coming up on our hour here. Do you have, sure. is there anything else that you, so remember we're dealing with most of our listeners here are going to be not necessarily competitors. A lot of them will be, but just people in the physique enhancement realm. Um, any closing thoughts for these types of people? Um, I, closing thoughts. You know, I, I think that, um, I think what I would emphasize is that from the standpoint of seeking health providers, know that um, options exist. So it, it, whether we're talking about musculoskeletal joint tendon problems or uh, just feeling unwell, you know, gastrointestinal problems, I see so many people become defeated by the system. And, um, you know, when, when there are options out there for them, and, and I, I, I interact with these folks every day in my clinic who have been dealing with knee pain for two years, and then they come and get a treatment and say, gosh, I didn't even know that it was possible to, like you were saying, Austin, to feel this good. And I, I, I think it's so unfortunate that um, people just kind of throw their hands in, in the air and say, gosh, I guess I'm at the end of the road, um, because it can feel like that sometimes. But um, there are options out there. I, I encourage you to pursue them um, because now more than ever, there are specialists and, and, and different treatments that are available to get you where you want to go. And, um, you know, and, and like I've you know, said by now, that's something we try to do and we try to dig deep and it's, it's fun to do with uh, particularly people who have a certain knowledge of their own health and they're kind of in touch with what's going on from a health perspective. And we look at things like, well, wait a minute, how would these medications that you had taken previously have led to this problem or affected how you're feeling today? Or let's talk about your diet and let's, you know, dive into these other things. We start digging deep into mechanisms and, and, and different things, um, you know, that could reveal really what's going on. So, um, so anyway, you know, if I, if I can be of any assistance for people out there, be happy to do so, or, Alternatively, like I tell everybody, even if I'm not that guy because I don't uh, practice a particular um, area of medicine, uh, uh, you know, or whatever, you just geographically are in a, a different state. Um, a lot of times, people will call our clinic just to have a brief discussion so that I can try to help them digest what's going on and point them in the right direction because sometimes that's all they need, and uh, and I'm happy to do that. So fantastic. Um, yep, yeah. we're. <laughs> We're all about logical thinking and mechanisms here on the podcast. <laughs> sure. We sure. try to make yeah. things make as much sense as possible. Yeah, um, I love it. So, okay. So for anyone that would like to reach you, is there a website or some type of, uh, or, or phone number, anything that you would want to give out? I mean, we do have listeners, especially on my end. Um, our co-host is in the UK. So those folks, yeah. will, he'll have a, you know, his crowd will be further away, but. We definitely have some sure. people on my end that would definitely travel to see you. Yeah, yeah. We have um, uh, our medical clinic website is inertiamedical.com. Inertia is I-N-E-R-T-I-A. And we have the same uh, for Instagram and Facebook, Inertia Medical. And you guys might come across, we have an Inertia Health and Fitness, which is actually our nutritional supplement um, line. But they are, in fact, all the same kind of company or related company. Um, but, and then if anybody's local and they want to call our clinic, our numbers, um, oh boy, what's our number? 513-570-4464. So we are in Cincinnati, Ohio, between Cincinnati and Dayton, but we see patients, gosh, I, you know, my assistant and I will sometimes be marvel at the fact that some weeks we have more out of town and out of state patients than we have in town. Uh, so we get quite a few, uh, folks who travel, but, but happy to help whoever, uh, whoever might need it. Yeah. If, if you're good, they'll come, man. I can't tell you, I can't tell you. Uh, I tell everyone very first time I went to see Eric in his office, I had, yeah, there was, <laughs> I had people that were not speaking English that oh, were come from everywhere and they were not, not because they were, you know, American, like, they were not like they had were immigrants had come to America. They were from a different country. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? <laughs> you know, and they were sitting in his office. 
So that's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. But it just speaks to the thirst people have to like find someone who's willing to spend time with them and willing Absolutely. to really dive deep and willing, you know, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, so. Well, thanks, man. I, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, I'll definitely be in touch. We'll kind of keep you updated on what I have going on. But if you knew you guys sure. want to reach out to Dr. Gearman, um, his information is there. I can actually list your, your website contact and stuff. And when I post the actual podcast online uh, and okay. make sure you guys check out our sponsors and we'll talk to you next time.